most of you uh, who are at this church um, tonight, uh, you need to know. Uh, in 2007, I, I got the privilege to go to India, and uh, my life was completely turned upside down. And then what happened was I came back, uh, and God burnt, just lit a fire in me that we were going to do something special in India for the people who were just way less fortunate than us. And the deletes and the outcasts, um, 250 million people were considered less than animals. We were going to make a difference in their lives. And in 2007, we had no idea how we were going to do it. But if I look back over these years, um, the man you're going to meet tonight, he changed my life, but he is changing the country of India. And you need to know, if you don't know, you have over 10,000 children in 42 schools that you've built. You've given over $9 million to India alone. Uh, there are over 3,000 churches that are planted because of Friends Church all over India, and you are making a difference in the world. And here's what you need to know, because I've, I've said this tonight, God's going to light a fire in one of you. I don't know who it is, but just like he lit a fire in me, and just like he lit a fire in some of you last weekend, he's going to light a fire. Because you're going to hear um, Dr. Joseph D'Souza speak, and something's going to stir in you. And tonight, I just want you to know, ordinary you, God uses ordinary you to do extraordinary things. And tonight, I believe he's going to use one of you to change the world. I don't even know how it's going to happen, but here's what I know. I didn't even want to go to India in 2007. And I can't wait to go back this year because it's been two years and some of my greatest friends are there. And this man is one of them. So tonight, you need to act like this place is just full of people and you're going to give him the hugest celebration and welcome. Would you welcome Dr. Joseph D'Souza to our stage tonight? Thank you. You can be seated. It's, uh, it's great to be back here after two and a half years. Um, I want to read a text first before we uh, jump into our talk, uh, which is taken from the book of Romans uh, and Paul writing. I'll read it for you. You can follow me and you can read it yourself. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's an enormous, enormous passage. As, uh, as I said, I've not been here for two and a half years, otherwise I was a regular visitor here. And, um, God, of course, has knit our hearts and my heart with Matthew, and what we have been able to see God do in the last 15, 20 years is absolutely unbelievable, miraculous. Uh, I still remember before it all began, uh, like they do when you have a vision and you want to do something, people will say it cannot be done. How can you impact 250 million? How can you impact 500 million people? You must be nuts, you must be crazy. You know, it's double the population of America, the kind of group you're doing, and how can you do it, etc. But God always has a plan. When he gives you a vision, he starts showing you what you must do and what you must not do. And together, we all ventured into helping millions of people, girls, boys, women, and whole societies and villages, and bringing them the freedom that's in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Amen? The gospel of the kingdom of God is about freedom. And uh, we began that journey, and then it was going 
very well. And uh, yes, we had uh, close to 100 schools, out of which uh, Friends has partnered with us for about 42 schools, as, uh, as uh, Matthew said. And uh, 10,000 children is no small feat, is it? No. And, and you'll see. Uh, I, I am the one who always says now, we have seen so many children transformed and going on for, in their lives and freed from slavery, modern slavery, and their lives are upside down. Even if we did it all for one child, it would have been worth it. But now the stories abound because we have close to 25,000 children and moving forward. But then, as we're doing all of this and God was doing all of this miraculous work, etc., the first reality and the first big change in the world hit us as much as it hit you, and that was the COVID pandemic. Uh, none of us were prepared for it. Maybe you were, but we were not. I know how, how much Americans were prepared. You're worse than us in India. And uh, when it hit us, I remember living in March from Washington, D.C., went back to India in two weeks. Bang, lockdown of 1.3 billion people. Total lock lockdown. You had all kinds of partial lockdown, but we had total lockdown and we could not go out and we're wondering what is this, etc. And then the pall and the gloom that hit us. And then, of course, all the schools closed, churches had to close, all activity had to close, and we're sitting there and it went that, that massive like lockdown went for nearly um, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, then they opened up a little bit, etc., and it wrecked our nation. Wrecked our nation. You know, India has a lot of migrant laborers from within India going out all around the main cities like Mumbai and everything else. And 100 million people, migrant laborers, had no jobs. And they had to go back to their villages all across the nation. And on television, we wa wa watched them, you know, walking and carrying their little vessels and, and going home. And there was no transportation. There was no food. Uh, it was a horrible sight. Uh, and it hit all of us. And we suddenly knew that this is going to affect the country economically. And financially, we are going to go into a big turmoil. And we did go into a turmoil. And we are sitting there doing this great work and saying, this is going to affect us also economically and financially in many other ways. Now, why would God, right? You have to ask that question if you're a Christian. God, when such a work of God is going on, what on earth are you doing now by unleashing this on us? You know, we are moving forward, God, what's this? So that reality hit us, and now we are two years down the line. COVID is not yet over in many parts of the world, but we know that the world will never be the same again after COVID. It cannot be the same again. Uh, things have fundamentally changed, and as I'm telling so many of my friends, we all have to learn with COVID, live with COVID. The virus is here. No amount of lockdown is going to kill that virus. Let China try as much as it wants. Right now they're trying. It's not, nothing is going to happen. The virus, is alive. the virus cannot be killed. It's there. Now humans have to figure out what to do. But 
it changed and it hit India where India was highly vulnerable and that was in the health sector. India does not have a healthcare infrastructure. It hit us. So we are reeling under that attack, economically facing the crisis, the jobs lost, the industry, you know, GDP gone down, uh, and many people reporting from our churches across India that our pastors do not have food, our churches do not have food, no food supply. What do we do? How do we do the work? So that's, that's the first reality that's hit us. And I want you, to, the reason I'm talking about this is because some of us here and around the world may think the world that we know, knew before COVID is going to come back. I want to tell you it won't come back. Think something has happened fundamentally around the world. You may not feel it economically in one way, but there are many things that are happening around the world in Africa, in India. It's staring, us, staring at us in a phenomenal way. We had to take a lot of steps to deal with this. And the first phase came and went, and we thought maybe now it's over, and then bang. 12 months later in March, April, we got the second wave. I wish some of you were in India when we were there and that wave hit. Millions died, millions. The government has given one figure, it's not accurate. The World Health Organization says not less than four million people died in India in the second wave. And I've said to my friends, there's not one Indian family living in India who did not know of a loved one or a friend within their circle who was taken out by COVID. So death was all across the nation. It was so bad that for the Hindus, there were not enough places to cremate the bodies. In some parts of India, they threw the bodies in the river, buried them by the riverside. There were Christian graveyards where bodies were you know, lined up and no, no place to bury. And suddenly we are dealing with death and seeing death in a way that we have never seen. And I'm very sure in most Indian minds and hearts, including mine, it has left a permanent deep impact. This devastation unleashed, unleashed by this disease. But it came closer home to us and to me and to the work, because we lost some of our co-workers. So I got a phone call, and it ha it, it's, it's so fast. Get a phone call. The husband of one of our workers is, is a manager. He's got fever, they've taken him to the hospital. And they're running around to find a hospital. There's no hospital that can take him because all of the hospitals are packed, there's no beds. And they tried this thing and that thing, and they go, he goes in. Three days later, he's dead. Our coworker, manager, one of our schools in North India, we have to deal now with his wife, right? Then we get another phone call. One of our pastors in Western India married. His wife has five children. He's got the symptoms, and. You know, we're running a massive, and you'll hear this, massive clinic and everything else from... Uh, from. Oh. Try again. 
Thank you, Siri. I didn't ask you to speak. <laughs> this is the problem with technology, right? You do your notes and then. So anyway, we get a call, and then, I, you know, sadly, he dies. Five children, and she's left there with that tragedy. I have a close lawyer friend who's been helping me for 15 years, day and night, is a non-Christian guy. He comes into the campus in the hospital, and he's, my daughter is the doctor, who sees him and says, I think something is wrong with you, I want to do a test. She does a test, and she comes and says, you have COVID, go, go to the hospital immediately. He goes, he cannot find a place, they find a place for him, he goes downhill, within four days, he's dead. So it's deep and personal, and I'm reading that verse, right? God, what, a, what on earth is this? Why, why are we going through this? And in the midst of this, we have to, all schools are closed, all offices are closed, we cannot support everybody, we have to let people go, we have to take a salary cut for nearly a whole year, all of the workers, 4,000 workers, and we are sitting there and thinking, What's God doing? And of course, as the leader, I have to think, okay, God, what are you doing in our midst? What are you doing in me? What are you trying to uh, teach me? So the COVID crisis hit. Then we had, you know, if you really want to get upset with God, you have to be an Indian now, right, in today's world. Suddenly, persecution is unleashed in a way like we've never had in our history. Christians are attacked. We are not free to share the gospel. Christian organizations are being hounded. Right-wing uh, extremists barge into our churches, stop our services, take over our services. They come into our services. How would you feel if a whole group of people barged in here while our brother is leading his worship, and they come in, they stop, and they sing their religious song in your worship place. And then they say, you cannot have Christmas services. So you know, in one whole area, no Christmas services. And then false cases. Pastors are locked up, and conversion, you're converting, and so this is happening. And so now you say, okay, we're getting hit on one side, God. You are, you know, it's not organized by God. God is not the author of this. But I believe God is king. Jesus is king. You believe that, right? He's still king, right? When all of this happens or he stops being king? Come on, answer. He stops being king or is he still king? He's still king. That was my message to our congregation. Jesus is king now. Not one day in eternity is king now. He's allowed it. And now we have to ask God, what, what are you trying to teach us? What are you trying to do uh, to us in this whole situation? And that situation, the, the health situation is still very dire and it continues, but the persecution is going on. Even I'm, as I'm here, you know, we are all trying to figure out how do we now survive in India? How do we do what we do in India uh, as God's people uh, bear witness in, in this hatred against the Christian faith and against Christians that's being unleashed. And as Matthew said, Henry, hey, we are trying to free people. 
We're trying to free children. We're trying to educate children. We're trying to empower women. We have a great vision to transform a whole nation. So God, what is this? What are you doing? We can look at man and blame the political structure of our day and the religions of our day, but if we do that, we're not going to go anywhere. We have to turn to God, and so we turn to God, and God says, this suffering is working something in you. And he goes down the list. I want to summarize two things that we have learned and we continue to learn to this crisis, and I trust it will bless your heart too. The first thing is, when God allows all of this stuff and in your life, and no small things or big things, something may be going on in your life today, we have learned that God is trying to enlarge my faith. You all had that sing, song today in worship. You know, let the faith rise. What do you mean by that? God wants to stretch your faith. It's there, but often it is dormant. It's not been exercised. It's a muscle that's never been stretched. You understand what I mean? If you don't stretch a muscle after, after a while, it starts atrophying. So he wants to stretch. And so God is pulling, pulling, and pulling, and pulling, and says, I want you to hold faith. I want you to be standing. I don't delight in those in the face of adversity. Turn back on the faith. I want you to be there. Even if you're the last man standing, you got to hold on to the faith I put in your heart through the Holy Spirit. So believe, 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 and see what I will do. Even though you feel you have shrunk, even though you feel, oh, no children in our school for two years. True. We don't even know how many children will come back. Now we know a lot of them are coming back. But we shrunk. So what did we do? We kept all the staff with us. We paid them salaries, but they had no work. But we had to keep them because if we let them go, we cannot, whenever this thing ends, we cannot start the schools again. So shrink and you keep and, and see what I am going to do. Now here it is. Just a small example of that lady in western part of India whose husband died. I didn't realize, we didn't realize that she and her husband were a team as a pastoral team. And she said, uh, my father's husband has died, has died uh, but I want to go on being the pastor of the church. Can I do it? The Good Shepherd Church allows women pastors. We said, yes, sister, go ahead and do it. It's a year since her husband died. This last week, I got a report about that church, and it is flourishing. It is thriving. It is growing. At the same time, one of my bishops is visiting this area where we lost the school manager, right? And he says, you know, I can't, I wish I, we, we can't videograph and all because of security reasons. He said, I thought I'm going in for one service in this area, but today is the first Sunday in my experience 
where I have had service after service after service the whole day. One service finishes, more people come in. The second service finishes, another people come in. And he said, I've taken three full services of two to three hours each. He says, the Lord is moving in a way we have never seen him move. And God said to us, enlarge your faith, stay strong in your faith. And God allows, means he's up to something much more different, much more bigger, and much more impactful than we ever imagined. And the second lesson, very quickly, is we used to have a health work all the time, right? Matthew knows about it. We're not going to sit around for two years doing nothing when the health crisis is hitting India. And in a remarkable way, God said, push your health work right up there in the front. You've never had this as a priority. Push it. We pushed it. What God has done in two years is mind-boggling. One million people impacted through virtual health care across India. One million in the last two years. All done by women. Bunch of women doctors, women health workers, some male workers, spread all across India, going and touching and healing and ministering. And then as they're doing this, all over we hear the reports coming back. The government is happy with us. A hostile government is happy with us. That we, are, our, our, our women are going, when people are dying, they're going and giving food and helping out. They're putting their masks, but they're right there like the early church. Remember, one of the biggest revivals took place when the plague hit Rome and the Christians went out in the midst of the plague. They did not run away from Rome. They stayed in Rome and took care of those who were dying and infected. I never thought I would be telling the story of my workers and what they would do and then establishing all of these uh, stories. Uh, just today, I'm going to read this for you. There are a million stories. Honestly, there are a million stories of God's impact. No exaggeration, but I thought I should read along with you this story of <coughs> a girl impacted during this last year. Bina is 19 and is going to complete right now her first year after being in touch with us in general nursing degree. Bina's parents are daily wage earners and during the pandemic had lost their jobs. Thankfully, by the, when, by the time the pandemic st struck, Bina had just finished high school and was looking forward to study further, but this now was a distant dream. Her younger two siblings were sent by a, away to a government home as the parents couldn't afford to feed them. The family had many struggles financially and security-wise on one day early, Bina was sexually assaulted by a 43-year-old neighbor and her parents, when her parents had left her alone at home. When Bina complained to her parents about this, instead of finding compassion and protection, the parents counseled her to continue to comply with the man in exchange for the money. 
Bina was horrified, but felt so she had no choice. So Bina became this man's sex toy in exchange for monthly income. This continued for several months. She lost weight, she was depressed, she was suicidal, and at this time, she was identified by some of our health workers. They rescued her, they provided her shelter, put her in our house, a safe house, for six months. And then, look at this story. This is God. After her re rehabilitation, the team identified she was a bright and eager student and put her into a nursing program. And now she has finished her first year. Million stories like this. I mean, I've got so many stories that have come my way. And so, in, the, in a crisis, in suffering, God wants us to enlarge our vision. So I come here after two and a half years, not with a reduced vision. I come here with an enlarged vision and saying to Matthew and my friends, we have 25,000 kids, let's make it 50,000 kids in our schools in the next few years. Let's not stop back because God is doing something very special. Let's move forward. And around the world, even in America, whatever it is, I plead with you, let God stretch your faith. If he's stretching your faith, let, it's, 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 you know, it's great to stay in the faith of yesterday and in a night's comfort zone, right? Who wants to stretch your faith? But if God is stretching your faith, he's up to something major and big. So let him stretch your faith and show what he's going to do with your life. Secondly, when God is stretching your faith, he is going to enlarge your vision. And when he enlarges your vision, don't shy back and say, okay, God, we are ready for what you want us to do. Matthew, uh, can we have the story and then you can come up. I'm Deepika. I'm aspiring to become a medical doctor. My mother often fell sick. She avoided going to the hospitals due to our poverty. This inspired me to become a doctor and serve the needy. My family comprises of me, my brother and my parents. Our source of income is from this shop. My father is a drunkard and spends a major portion of earnings on alcohol. Quality education is expensive here and beyond what we could afford. It is indeed a God's blessing to have the Good Shepherd School here in Sivakasi. The Good Shepherd School in Sivakasi it was established for the students like Devika who are economically poor, marginalized and the Dalit children. We emphasize on excellence. Our teachers are working hard so that they can get good marks. Devika is an intelligent girl. All she needed was our support and effort so that she can do better in her studies. While I was preparing for the matriculation examination, I often witnessed my father thrashing my mother after he was drunk. This affected me deeply. When I came to know her struggles in her home, I asked her to don't worry about 
what are things happening in the home only concentrate on your studies it will help you to get get good marks regardless of what was going on in my life i gave my best i studied during nights and early mornings when all were asleep i can't express how happy i was when the results were declared i scored 497 out of 500 in my board examination and overall stood third in the state of tamil nadu secret of deepika success she was always disciplined in her studies she always honest in her work I got a medical seat in Tbilisi State Medical University in Georgia, Central Europe. I can proudly say that I am the first girl from my community to study abroad. Thanks to Dignity Freedom Network, I am living my dream of becoming a doctor. Without their financial support, this wouldn't have been possible. Thank you again for your care and concern. Over 100 schools and closer to 30,000 children are studying in our schools. There are some good students like Deepika who have achieved more, but they do not have the economical support to pursue their studies and dreams. So the deserving candidates are selected, and we support them financially and morally so that they can pursue their higher studies. They have a higher ambition to come out in flying colors, and they want to achieve in their lives. some want to be medical doctors some want to be engineers some want to be a technicians in the higher level so they study well proverbs says this it says uh, that we are to speak up for those who have no voice it says that those of us who have a voice are to be a voice for the voiceless uh, i can't I- explain to you what happened in 2007 except um, the lord just kind of captured my heart um it was it was hard to explain and for those of you who've been here at church you've heard me but i'm going to tell you uh, i don't have dreams i don't have big visions i've never had god really just come down and speak to me and other people say they do i just know i woke up in the middle of the night out of a dream and i know that it was god And I remember in 2007 in a little old hotel in Bangalore, India with the TV still on cuz I didn't turn it off and it was just fuzz. I got down on my knees and I told God that I was in. That I would go to India as many times as he wanted, I would raise as much money as he wanted me to raise and I would rescue as many kids as he asked me to rescue. So I stand here today 2022 And you know us pastors um we move on from things pretty quickly cuz we have something for a couple years and then we got to give you something else cuz we think oh we got to we got to pump up the people and we got to give them something new and they need something new and I'm standing here today after 2007 is 2022 and I still have a passion for the people of India and I still believe that we are to make a difference see you know that this church started in uh, 1912 because they wanted to start educating the next generation. They wanted children to know who Jesus was, so they began a Sunday school. That's why this church started. And it wasn't on a Sunday service, it was wrapped around kids and it was wrapped around the next generation. 
And you know that we are a part of changing the next generation around the corner and around the world and in this place. And I think God just in his sovereignty brought these two worlds together. I've told you, the land of gracious living and the most oppressed people in the world have come together in a way that only God could do it. And so we stand here today, 2022, and I know it's a long, long ways away and many times you don't feel like you're making an impact, but just like that girl Deepika and just like a girl named Parnitha, who I met in a pipe as she lived in a concrete sewer pipe, who's now a pharmacist, who you sent to school and educated her and her life has changed, who I think it's her brother or her sister who works for Google. I think it's her sister and her brother's a policeman. This whole family lived in a concrete sewer pipe and because you decided to give money to India, those three kids and their families' lives are never gonna be the same. And I don't get why God called us all the way to India. Joseph knows I like Indian food a lot more than I used to because he's just made me eat it every time I go there. But I'm starting to understand that some of my best friends are in India. Because when you see their heart and you see what they do for Jesus in the midst of everything they don't have, and they're sold out for him. I can't wait to go in November because God changes me. And tonight, I just want to invite you to be a part of what God's doing through healthcare, through students, through education. And here in the United States, we have an organization called Dignity Freedom Network. And Dignity Freedom Network is our arm to help India. And here's what Dignity Freedom Network does. They have a a program called Promise and it provides whole care for the whole community. And this is what happens. Their holistic approach does this. Number one, they rescue women, children, and entire families from the constant threat of trafficking, child marriage, and forced labor. They reclaim purpose and dignity for those who are broken by injustice. And they restore freedom and opportunity in lives transformed by whole care for the whole community. And for you to be a part of that, it's pretty simple. And we've done this because we have thousands of kids that we sponsor, but through Promise, uh, you can just go to their website and it's gonna be up on the screen. I'd love them to keep up up there for a while. It's gonna be on the screen and you can go there and you can just go to dfnusa.org and you can be a part of this Promise that rescues and brings hope to the hopeless. And you tonight can be a hope, you can be a voice, and you can make a difference. And so I just wanna invite you to be a part of that. I wanna invite you to take a next step as Fringe Church, because we just believe God called us there and he's not done there and we're not done there. And so we are grateful for the experience we get to have, and we're grateful that we get to be a part that God is doing something not just around the corner, but around the world. Tonight, uh, we will continue to be a church that speaks up for the voiceless. And we'll be a, continue to be a church that gets outside of ourselves and these seats. And we will go around the corner and around the world because we believe God's called us to make a difference in this world. I don't believe the vision for Friends Church, just like Dr. Sousa, is smaller since the pandemic. It is definitely bigger. And it has grown in ways I can't explain, but God is doing something as we become this community of authentic Christ followers. And I pray that you join us because we are compelled to change his world.